to Marketing as a Foreign Language, episode 311. The top story today is that Facebook is now pausing efforts to build Instagram for kids. I know YouTube got in a lot of hot water about all the programming that shows up in front of kids' eyeballs, and that's really hard to do. Alphabet obviously owning Google and YouTube. Facebook, uh, you know. Uh, apparently was facing sharp criticism from lawmakers and users over its plan for Instagram kids. Not surprisingly, today we're also going to be talking about how the YouTube CEO uh, says Google sees free speech as a core value in Russia. This after they got um, a little bit of flack uh, because they, according to some, uh, removed something um, that the Kremlin wanted them to remove. We'll dive into that. Uh, Twitter's going all in on crypto. Jack Dorsey literally um, has hashtag Bitcoin in his Twitter bio, and that's it. Twitter's showing off new concepts for filtering and limiting replies. This is one more way to not have hate speech. Fill your inbox. And Google celebrating its 23rd birthday with an animated doodle. They're 23. They can drink. Uh, last thing we're going to talk about today is non-fungible tokens. What the heck are those? If you haven't heard about them, we're going to dive in. So let's get to our main story. All links to all articles that we cover in the show are right there in the description. If you're joining us live, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we love you. Thank you. If you're joining us after the fact, guess what? We love you too. Facebook says it's pausing effort to build Instagram for kids. Facebook faced sharp criticism, according to CNBC.com, from lawmakers and users over its plans for Instagram kids. Quote, Instagram will continue to focus on teen safety and expanding parental supervision features for teens. I think at this point, Instagram doesn't necessarily have to create an entire kids section in order to reap the revenue benefits. Um, Quote, while we believe building Instagram kids is the right thing to do, Instagram and its parent company, Facebook, will reevaluate the project at a later date. In the interim, Instagram will continue to focus on teen safety. I mean, I suppose if you built Instagram for kids, you would have a an influx. I think they're afraid of TikTok, to be honest. Um, TikTok has very mature content, but um, they're definitely taking a lot of share of the marketplace. And if I'm Instagram, um, I would that would scare me. Um, and it makes sense uh, that they would want to dive into this particular demographic. Since the dawn of time, people have been advertising to kids because just like Think McDonald's, they get into this Happy Meal sort of vibe, the toy, the everything. It's just classic. It's marketing 101. Ethics aside, wouldn't it be nice if McDonald's had a plant-based burger? Instagram head Adam Masari said the app was meant for children ages 10 to 12. The pause comes after an explosive Wall Street Journal report showing Facebook repeatedly found its Instagram app is harmful to many teenagers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Being a teenager can be incredibly difficult. I think many of us have uh, memories of just how challenging it can be. Given the fact that I'm 37 years old, thinking back, on what things were like when I was a teenager. Teenager, I can only imagine uh, breakups and um, just sort of the, the psychology of like if there's someone you like and all of a sudden you see them with someone else on Instagram and everyone's DMing each other and ugh, I can see how that can be a uh, a challenging, 
challenging situation. One internal Facebook presentation, according to the article, said that among teens who reported suicidal thoughts, 13% of British users and 6% of American users, excuse me, traced the issue to Instagram. Yikes. So there's a lot of uh, legit legitimate um, criticism to be uh, levied against Facebook. Um, I don't know what the platform can do about it. I mean, because at the end of the day, aren't we talking about psychology and just the way that people behave at that age? Aren't they just going through some difficult times? And isn't that reflective um, of any technology that um, folks tend to use? Is it exacerbating the problem? Um, yeah, I think, you know, if you have the moment and then you go home and it's not in your face 24 seven, um, that's a different path. Uh, I would want to dive into suicide rates in general to get a, a better sense of at least that particular statistic and how it relates to social media. But there are a lot, there are a lot of, a lot of people who have very strong feelings about this. Um, ultimately, uh, love is the answer. I know I'm a cheesy hippie, but it is what it is. Love is the answer. Um, so how do we love each other better is going to solve many more problems than worrying uh, about the technology itself, which of course is simply an echo, an extension of uh, the love or lack thereof that, that we have for one another. It is interesting to me that uh, as we get older, we, we are much more respectful by and large. Um, when you get into those like 12 to 16 range and you, you hear some of the things people say, I think the reality is that as people get older, they tend to censor, <laughs> they tend to censor themselves a bit better. And I would like to believe that they are in better control of their mind and that they have practiced love better and more. But uh, what do you think about Instagram? Do you think it is a, a dumpster fire? Do you think that Instagram for kids is a terrible idea? Do you think it's a, an amazing idea? Leave your comments. YouTube.com forward slash send it rising. YouTube CEO says Google sees free speech as core value in Russia. This one from Bloomberg. Susan Wojcicki, chief executive officer at Google's YouTube, said the internet giant still holds free speech as a core value in the company's first public comment since it acceded to a Russian government order to remove material from political opponents. Yeesh. Ay, 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 ay. These are these things are complex, and I feel like what we end up hearing as the public is a very small percentage of the story. Um, if you are the CEO of YouTube, you are very, very wealthy, um, and you hang out with very, very wealthy people, and you always have to play this game of how do I allow certain information into the public that is true or as close to truth as it can be, um, while having the intended positive um, impact that I wanted to have, it is the nature of being a leader. Asked about the removals, Wojcicki and YouTube considers free speech a core value, as I mentioned, quote, but when we work with governments, there are many things that we have to take in consideration, whether it's local laws or what's happening on the ground. So there's always going to be multiple considerations. That's very true. And I think it's easy to look at uh, decisions um, like Wojcicki's decision and think, ah, well, here it is, just more oligarchs, you know, making top-down decisions. But I think the reality is if you find yourself in a leadership position um, saying things like, there's going to be multiple considerations, what you're trying to say is, I can't tell you everything that's happening. Um, I would like to, you know, there's a part of me that wants to just blurt everything out, but 
there are things that are happening, there's safety. Um, and, uh, you know, the more you say, the more you kind of just bury yourself in this, in this reality that you can't really share these things. Um, so, you know, there you go. Russian courts, according to the article, have banned online references to smart voting and declared Navalny's organization an extremist. Google face threats that its Russian employees could be imprisoned. Well, there you go. Can you imagine that? It's easy to look at um, this sort of thing and, and say, why would you bow down to the, the desire of this particular government entity? You're a, a, a business that has its own free will. And then you realize that, you know, there are people who could be kidnapped that day. And these sorts of things do happen as sad as that is. Twitter going all in on crypto, according to thehustle.co. Jack Dorsey, a man, a few profile words, um, simply as hashtag Bitcoin as his bio. Jack Dorsey, obviously the CEO of Twitter. The Bluebird app is working on a decentralized protocol. Square, the other company Jack Dorsey runs, grew in part due to its crypto trading platform. And um, there is a testing of a tip jar for fans um, where soon they will be able to receive Bitcoin, which is very cool. And non-fungible tokens are next. Um, I know someone who's working on a website for those. So why don't we dive into what those are? If you already know what they are, um, I apologize. I am just getting caught up to speed. Theverge.com NFTs explained. What the heck are they? Non-fungible token more or less means uh, that it's unique and can't be replaced with something else that it's unique and cannot be replaced with something else. For example, a Bitcoin is fungible, meaning you trade one for another and you have exactly the same thing. It's one of a kind. Um, a one of a kind trading card, for example, is non-fungible. If you traded it for a different card, you'd have something completely different. I'm thinking of um, Magic the Gathering. There's a card called the Black Lotus and one of them is selling for $100,000. And while there are other Black Lotuses out there, the degree of um, certainty, the degree of understanding of the uniqueness of that individual card um, comes from how well it has been maintained over the years, how clean it is, um, how free of scuffs, um, marks, etc. it is, which is to say, um, I, I suppose everything is non-fungible if, if you can see its unique uh, DNA sort of blueprint. Um, but according to the article, a one-of-a-kind trading card, however, is non-fungible. If you traded it for a different card, you'd have something completely different. Okay, so non-fungible, unique. So NFTs at a very high level, most NFTs are part of the Ethereum blockchain. So Bitcoin um, is Bitcoin, it's decentralized, it is what it is. But Ethereum has smart contracts and, and a level of technology that goes beyond Bitcoin. Ethereum, uh, a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or Dogecoin, but it's blockchain chain also supports these nfts which store extra information that makes them work differently from say an eth coin or an ethereum coin it is worth noting that other blockchains can implement their own versions of nfts and some already have so an nft can be anything digital drawing music um your brain downloaded and turned into an ai according to the article that's really funny so Apparently, digital art is the first thing that people are using on this um, to kind of move it around. But ultimately, it's going to be anything. It's going to be a file. It's going to be um, information on the Internet. Um, apparently, someone paid almost 390000 for a 50-second video, which is wild. 
person who paid $6.6 million for a video. Here we go. Let the games begin. So, yeah, non-fungible tokens. If you are unfamiliar, I think we're going to be hearing a lot about them as the uh, as the years go by. Twitter shows off new concept for filtering and limiting replies. This one from Engadget.com. Again, if you're interested in any of these articles, deeper dives, just click the links in the descriptions. Twitter has been trying to limit the toxic replies you can get on its website by giving you tools that allow you to become more proactive in preventing them from going through. I think the psychological ramification of negative comments is real. Once people do achieve a certain amount of fame, they're now subject to this human, it, it seems like a need, but I don't want to give it that much energy, um, catharsis mechanism, which is to say that there is a swath of the population that must be, I mean, at the bare minimum, they want to um, hurt <laughs> other people. Um, they want to criticize. They they want to, uh, you know, it, it doesn't feel like there's a tunnel of emanating from their particular uh, comments. Uh, but we got to love them anyway. Got to love them anyway. Love is the only path. Um, that being said, we all know what that's like uh, to have received some interesting comments. And the comments can seem hateful or be hateful. Um, and there is there is value in them, I always feel. Um because uh, at the very least, they're one more obstacle to overcome. Uh, that being said, uh, if there's a way to prevent them, I think if you're 15, 17, 20, you know, some of those younger years, even, you know, getting older, I get it. Um, and you can just not deal with them. Obviously, there is a, uh, there's a mark for that. So Twitter will ask you if you'd like to switch on the controls if it detects potentially harmful replies to your tweets. If your reply Twitter, excuse me, if your reply filter is on Twitter, it won't show you or anyone else except the user who wrote the response, the harmful tweets it detects. Isn't that interesting? So obviously the the positive um, piece of this is that folks um, cannot suffer psychologically from these ridiculous tweets that they're getting. Um, that being said, what is a harmful tweet, right? So maybe sarcasm is going to get labeled as harmful. Um, it looks like the person who does the tweet isn't going to be able to tell whether or not they've been filtered. So it gets into the whole uh, free speech argument. So it's all in the administration, all in the administration. Final article of the day, Google celebrating 23 years with an animated doodle. Um, we could sit here all day and criticize Google. We could sit here all day and praise Google. Um, it's good to note that, um, over the last 23 years, we've gone from a culture that has pretty much had to go to, um, the library to figure out whatever that factoid is. Um, and it just goes to show that having human knowledge in your pocket has not had the kind of profound impact that I thought it would, um, if you'd asked me 20 years ago if, if everyone could just take out a device and access almost any information, um, I would have thought, wow, we're, that's pretty utopian, pretty incredible. Um, of course, human nature is, is we're going to proliferate things um, that benefit us by and large. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you know how humans are. So that being said, 23 years into it, 
Um, I can only now make similar predictions for the rise of artificial intelligence, the rise of augmented reality, et cetera, um, which is to say it from my perspective now living in a, in a dream world of wish fulfillment where you can just manifest whatever you want, whenever you want it seems utopian. Um, and then of course we're going to have, you know, all of the things that go along with being a human inside of that world. And so I fall back to my fallback, which is we have to cultivate love and compassion as often as is humanly possible. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, you need to invite people who are cruel to you to dinner. That's not what I'm talking about. You can love someone from a distance. Um, the absolute best way of describing that is uh, if you lose someone that's very near and dear to you, they're, they no longer inhabit a body and you can love them, um, which is to say that they are literally physically not here and yet you have love for them. Um, and so love everybody tell the truth um, is exactly that. Um, you can love someone who's done you wrong and you can love them, you know, from miles away. So the, the point of that entire exercise is as technology changes, what we realize is that um, how we feel, how we interpret sensation, how we interpret thoughts, and whether or not we can love what is happening becomes principally important the more externally motivated we become, which is to say, if you can just put on a virtual headset and go have wish fulfillment, that's, that is a very external exercise. Um, and the internal battle what continues, which is to say, um, thoughts will continue to arise. Now, if you were to love everything on the planet, everything, the crack in the cement, all your relationships, um, you've came, you've come to a place of contentment and love for all of it. Well, then you're in heaven. Isn't that nice? Um, and so this is, this is the ongoing, um, the ongoing path. This is the Tao. Um, and so capitalism, the fact that you live in a capitalist environment means that you're most likely going to need a job to keep your body alive because, Hey, guess what? You love yourself. You love yourself, uh, enough to want to continue to feed yourself and, you know, promote your best interests alongside the interests of others. So, um, marketing your company, um, with love is another part of your dharma, of your path, of your purpose. And so, uh, you will hear me say this hopefully many, many, many more times, but it is nice to remember that this is, this is the path. Um, there are folks that use hate, the absence of love to, to drive themselves forward. We have to love those people too. Um, because ultimately we are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively as Bill Hicks once noted, um, a gentleman who died at a very early age of cancer. So he, uh, he fought through, um, some very, um, dark battles. Um, and hopefully, well, and I know, uh, came through with some incredible wisdom, incredible wisdom. So ladies and gentlemen, this is marketing as a foreign language. Remember, love each other, love each other, love yourself. Um, and we will see y'all for the next episode tomorrow. Have a good one.